Did you know that it's possible to be a believer in Jesus Christ, to be a Christian and never grow spiritually? It's not just a problem in the days in which we live in, but, but this was a problem even back during Paul's day. And that's what he would write these words to us in the book of, of Hebrews. He would say this, you've been Christians a long time now and you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you. Again, the basic things a beginner must learn about the scriptures. You're like babies, he calls them. I've never been that rude, I don't think, to you guys. But, but Paul would say, you're like babies who drink only milk and cannot eat solid food. And a person who's living on milk isn't very far along in the Christian life and doesn't know much about doing what is right. This thing called spiritual growth and spiritual maturity takes effort. It takes time. Paul's writing to a group of people who, who had forgotten some of the basics of their faith. They'd forgotten some of the, 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 the things that they grew up learning about in school, and they've gone back and reverted back to just kind of childlike thinking, childlike ways. I, I, I think that probably Paul's audience here in Hebrews have, has, are suffering from, from something that I would call the baby bird syndrome. They're expecting a religious leader of some sort just to, to kind of dangle that, 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 that worm and feed them on their, uh, you know, take the time to feed them where, where they don't have to really work, struggle, uh, uh, think about anything. They can just come once a week and just take the worm that somebody else is presenting them. And they're forgotten everything they've learned since the last worm they ate. We suffer from the baby bird syndrome, I believe, in the church today. That many of us gather together and we're expecting a pastor, we're expecting a worship team, we're expecting our kids leaders, our youth pastors to somehow be miracle workers. We're not miracle workers. We, 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 we work under the authority of one, but, but we're not. But, but they just expect us to do it for them. That's the audience that Paul's writing to in Hebrews. Spiritual maturity and growth takes time. It takes effort. That's why I love what it says in 1 Timothy 4, 7. It says, take the time. And take the trouble, endure the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. You guys know that in order to become spiritually fit, it takes time and effort, doesn't it? It doesn't come easily. You work out. It's, it's, not, it's not called an easy out. It's called a work out. You put your body through things. It, it hurts. It sweats. It, it cr cramps up on you, but you stress it because you know that through that stress and through the pressure and through the working out, oh, that it's going to emerge and you're going to look buff. Just as physical fitness doesn't come easily. Just as we have to develop some habits and some routines and we have to sacrifice in order to become physically fit. The same is true when it comes to our lives spiritually. We must develop some habits. We must put our place, our, ourselves in places of, 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 of working it out spiritually, you might say, so that we can grow. And Peter would say that in 2 Peter 3.18, you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This thing called spiritual maturity, this thing called spiritual growth is not something that happens instantly. It, I, I wish today that when you left this place, we were all fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. But the reality of it is this, we won't be. 
It's not some secret Kool-Aid or potion we can give you today to drink and, and, and man, it, it, you're, you're, you're done with that. No, we, we continually, it's a process. It takes time. But we must have the desire to want to grow. Have you grown in the last 365 days? Since, since, I'm not talking about physically. And, and, and you parents, you know, you don't want your kids to stay in diapers and on, 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 on milk from a bottle every day. You, and you want them to move out of your house at some point, right? Any empty nesters with me today? Come on. Is it good? Is it, is it awesome? You have more money? Isn't it awesome? I can't wait. I love my kids, but but... But we desire as parents for our kids to grow. And I just know that every one of our desire in this room, those of us that are believers in Christ should have that same desire as well. That we have moved forward since, since August 11 of 2018 to this point today. Are we different? Have you grown spiritually? We're gonna continue today in this series called Plank. A plank is a, is, a, is, a, is a physical exercise that a coach or, or an instructor at a health club might put you through. I know some of you, I saw some videos popping up this week of, of you planking in our forms week where we're weak, we've got to develop. But when you plank, they tell us you're developing what they call the core, the core of your body from your core, your, your mobility and, and the way your, 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 your body functions, it's, it's enhanced and it all stems from, it's, it's interesting that in this thing called the core that most of our major organs are found and that's where their place is. Well, it is so important. Anyone that is a fitness guru and understands anything about getting in shape knows that the core is the key. It's not the curls for the girls that we work for oftentimes, but it comes from this thing called the core. So we're taking some time over these next few weeks to develop our core as a church as well. We're gonna plank a little while if we can. We're gonna develop some things and talk about some things that we believe will help us develop some things that, that are so essential, but more importantly, will help us be the people that Jesus had in mind when he created us and that we can fulfill the mission that he's placed on us. Come on, somebody. That's a good introduction, isn't it? We're gonna plank. And today I want us to talk about groups and how being in a spiritual group a spiritual study, some, some spiritual formation, others helps us and strengthens our core. Here's what I believe. And I don't want you to miss this. I'm gonna say it from the beginning. You need to grow. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to grow. And you need discipleship. Well, what is the disciple? Well, we look back in the Bible and we saw that there were 12 and, and, and they were men, ordinary, unschooled, untrained, uneducated men that simply what? Followed Jesus. We're called as a church to make that. We're called to make disciples. We're not called to make converts, although witnessing and sharing our story about Jesus is something every one of us have a responsibility for, but we're called to disciple people, meaning not just lead them to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, but help them to grow one in which they what? They mature, where they develop, where they become so much better in their daily lives because they're living and thinking and acting and using words that are more and more representative of who Jesus is. You need to grow. You need discipleship. We use that word discipleship in church settings like this often. And a lot of us don't like that because we get the word discipline from that. And none of us like discipline. 
because that means that, that oftentimes discipline requires some sort of a struggle or hurt or pain or a sacrifice of some sort. And, and, and that, that word discipleship might require some of those things with us as well. And so we talk about making disciples. We talk about discipleship opportunities. And, and oftentimes in church settings, they, they fall on deaf ears. You know why? Because our lives are not structured for discipleship. We, we, our, our lives are, 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 are too structured and, 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 and they're too mapped out. And for some of you listening here today, whether in the house or, or online, and by the way, thanks for dialing in and getting that last family vacation in before school starts. Our lives are so structured and mapped out, planned out, that when, when a pastor or, 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 or a discipleship pastor talks about, hey, getting in groups and study, we, we you're just like, oh, man, I, I don't have any more time. What do you think? I don't know what you do. First of all, you guys as a staff only work one day a week, right? That's all we do. And, 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 but, but I don't know about you, but, but you know, I've got kids, and, and school's coming. And some of you, some of you already know right now, you've, you've already got the meal plan for the week for, for school this week. You, you, you've, already, you've already probably sliced and diced. You've got everything in, in Tupperware. You're ready to just pack it in Ziplocs and send little Johnny or Sally out to school. You've got their clothes mapped out. Anybody have to fight through the mess of back to school shopping yesterday? You save like... 67 cents on that whatever you bought, but the traffic you cursed to your neighbor and you know what I mean? Some of us are mapped out though. Some of you already know what your schedules are this week. And, and, and there is no room for a, a little pause, a little break, a little interruption. What happens when an emergency comes? I'm sorry, I don't have time for that because, and that's the problem when it comes to making disciples. Some of us are so structured. The problem with discipleship is it's a life structure. And we, 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 we don't set that up aside as a priority. And what happens is if we have time, it, it, if it fits in my schedule, I'll show up at six o'clock at Taco Cabana, Matt Bell, and, 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 uh, and, and, and I'll dive in with a group of men around uh, Migas or whatever. I don't know, but, but you know, and you know Migas makes Bible studies so much better. Uh, but we're too structured. Here's what I believe when it comes to groups. And I want to, I want to go to the Bible with it. You need to grow. And every one of us in Jesus Christ should have a desire to grow and become better in our pursuit of him. You need discipleship. Now, and I want to share a story with you from God's word. Are you guys okay with the Bible? We're crazy at 1910 church. We believe in it. <laughs> we use it as our text. We believe that it is still valid for our lives today. We believe that the truths that we find in there are still needed in our country today. And oh man, maybe if we would return back to those and see people the way Jesus saw, I could go on, right? But, but, but God's word is good for you. And if you're not into the Bible, I hope that maybe today by just looking at one story might just pique your interest a little bit and you might dive in, but it's good for you. I wanna, I wanna read a story today from Luke chapter five. Say Luke. Luke is, is that third book in, out of four in, in, in the second half of the Bible we call the New Testament. The first, the, the, the Bible's breaking two main parts, Old Testament, life before Jesus, New Testament. Talks about the life of Jesus and, and after and what took place there, okay? Uh, and the first four books of that new, new section are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, 
Luke and John, right? And in those four gospels, you basically read about the birth of this man, Jesus, and you read about what his life was like while he was here on earth. Most of these four books share similar stories and experiences. Some of the writers expand a little bit different, give us a little different perspective. But basically in the gospels, you read about Jesus. Can I read to you a story about Jesus? Come on, how many of you like Jesus? Yeah, most people like Jesus, they don't like Christians. You know why? Because we're not like Jesus, are we? Okay, but uh, that's a different sermon and maybe, maybe September we'll, we'll preach that one. It's good. But, but, but here's what I want us to know about this man, Jesus. Beginning in verse one, Luke five. One day as Jesus was preaching on the, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Okay, now you know if fishermen are washing their nets, where are they at in the process of fishing? They're done, right? Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, Jesus said to Simon, now, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, say those words with me. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. And he said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. And his partners, James and John, who were the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for what? And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I love this story. And, and I think this story has so much to share with us about the significance of groups. I, I, I love that in this story, we find that, 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 that Jesus is really just getting started when it comes to his earthly ministry. Uh, earlier on in, the, in, the, in, in, in Luke, we, we read about baptism, but we read about Jesus going into this thing called the wilderness for 40 days. While he was in the wilderness there, Satan himself came to Jesus and tempted him. How many times? Three times. And, 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 and Jesus refuted that and, and didn't cave into the temptations of the enemy. We know that after that, Jesus begins, he comes out of the wilderness and begins his earthly ministry. In Luke chapter four, we read about some healing of, of people that have illnesses. We read about some deliverance of people that are filled with demons. Uh, and, and I love in Luke chapter four, it says this as the chapter closes. The news about Jesus began to spread around the region. Now, if you know anything about Jesus in his ministry, uh, Jesus' ministry, about 80% of his ministry took place in probably about a five square mile area around this thing called the Sea of Galilee. Hey, check this out. Next April, if you want to, I'll take you with me and we'll see it. And we'll walk in places that Jesus walked, okay? Interest meeting next Saturday morning. 
you heard that. Anyway, but, but, but the news about Jesus, you see what I did there? News about Jesus spread in this region. So in, in Luke chapter five, I don't know to what extent Simon and James and John, but, but bottom line is people have heard about Jesus. In fact, they're, 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 they're following him. They are hanging on every word that he's speaking. In fact, Luke 5 says that there's so many people there that Jesus has to, to get away from the crowds just to breathe, maybe just for his voice to, 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 to reach out to a large masses. So he finds these two boats on the, on the seaside there and he gets in one of them, Simon's boat. Can you imagine Jesus hopping in your boat? Can, can, can you imagine just, hey, listen, uh, uh, I've tried to find the, the Uber XL. It's not around. And, and can, you, can you just give me a ride to, to work, you know, carpool karaoke on the way in, whatever you want to do with Jesus. But, but Jesus is in Simon's boat and he, they push out into the water and Jesus begins to teach the crowds from there. Can you imagine Simon? Si- Simon's like probably tired, worn out. It's been a long night of fishing and he caught what? Nothing. Hey, hey, men, you ever, you ever gone fishing and your wife's expecting you to bring dinner home and you walk in with an empty tool, uh, ice chest? It's embarrassing, isn't it? Peter's probably already feeling defeated and deflated and like a loser of a fisherman, but, but, but he is now has Jesus and he's hanging, I believe, on every word that Jesus is. He's listening to Jesus speak. After Jesus finished teaching, Luke chapter five says, hey, Peter, listen, I, I want us to go out a little bit deeper and I want you to throw your nets into the water. Come on, Jesus, listen, bro, listen. I don't know much about you, but I think you're a carpenter and, and why don't you stay to carpentry type stuff? Why don't you leave the fishing to, to me? I'm sure he must've had those thoughts, but what we find in Luke chapter five, verse five, these, find these words, because you say so. Because you say so, Peter, Peter went out a little bit deeper and he threw his nets in the water here in Luke chapter five. P- Peter thought he was doing Jesus a favor by letting Jesus use his boat for, for a platform and a, and, 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 and a pulpit to preach to the crowds. But, but Jesus was about to bless Peter in a great way for his faithfulness and obedience. Are you with me? And by the way, can I just tell you, how, how many of you know that Jesus always gives us more than we give to him? He does. Just try it and test it. Time and time throughout scripture, you're gonna find, in fact, God says in the Old Testament, hey, why don't you test me and try me in this thing called, called biblical generosity and giving to the storehouse? Why don't you just do it and see what happens? Time and time again, we find that Jesus always, come on, come on, how many of you, some of you can testify today that Jesus has blessed you in far more greater ways than you ever dreamed or imagined? Come on, somebody. Let's give him honor and glory in this house, right? He always gives us more than we give to him. And that's what's happening here in Luke chapter five. We've not caught any fish. Listen, I know what I'm doing here, Jesus. But because you say so, I'll go deeper. Listen, I, I, I don't know much about fishing, but, but my dad used to take me and my brother fishing and, and, and we didn't go and buy worms or, or the stink bait or anything. We, we would have to sane for our bait. How many of you have ever saned for minnows or shad, anything like that? You know, you, it's, it's a net of some sort and you, you stand there at the water's edge because that's where all the little sardine type of things float around and fish around. And whatever we caught was, well, that was not what we took back home to mom, but that was what we used to, to, to throw our lines out into the deeper water. Because here's the reality. Here's, most of the time when it comes to fishing, the best and biggest are found in the deeper. Are you with me there? 
And I just think spiritually that is a word for us today as well. That the deeper you go with Jesus, the more you will listen to him as he calls you out into the deep, the bigger and better that is awaiting you. Are you with me there? That's just true. Peter pushes out and goes and he throws his nets. And man, it says, he'd probably been fishing in the same spot for hours the night before, but there was something different about this fishing experience. You see, Jesus was directing him. Come on, you know your life is better when Jesus directs it. Your work is better when Jesus directs it. Some of you are working harder and trying to work longer just to to make it happen and, and you're not getting anywhere. Why don't you just let Jesus into your situation and see what might happen today, okay? Those, those nets, and it says that those nets were full. What was the secret to receiving that blessing? It was obedience. You see, Peter did what Jesus called him to do. Let's go deeper and let's throw those nets back out. Deeper. He could have made excuses. We don't read that in Luke 5. We don't read about bad attitudes. I just don't have time. My life is too structured. I need to get back home because there are honeydews to do before I come right back out to this water here in a few hours. I've got to get home. uh, My kids start school and we've got to make sure that their yarmulkes are on correct and... They've got the pita for lunch. I I don't know what, but I just, he didn't say any of that. He just simply said, okay, I'll be obedient. You see, Peter believed that Jesus could do it. And the blessing came. I just wonder how many of us have maybe stopped a little bit short. We've quit. We've thrown the towel in a little bit too soon. When, when Jesus was calling us to do something, we, we gave up. We were tired. We didn't see the results as quickly as we thought. It, the miracle didn't come the way it should. And, and, and I just wonder how many blessings, rewards, or growth season we've missed out on because we've made excuses instead of being obedient to what Jesus has called us to. Am I talking to anybody? Because I, things would be a lot easier if God just operated in our time frame, right? And if he did it the way we thought he should do it. I'm telling you, man, I want us to pay this, this building off. We're at about 700000 left. I want to pay it off so we can move forward to the greater. I, I want it to happen today. But I'm not, we can do it. Amen, I love that testimony. Thank you, sister. But God's ways are, are greater. And there are several things that have lined up in the process of us in the waiting, right, Bruce, that now have prepared us for more. How many times have you quit and you've given up a little too early? Or, hey, I tried a Bible study. I tried this group thing you're talking about, Jason. And, you know, it didn't do anything for me. Those people were rude. I I had to bring deviled eggs one night for this thing called a potluck. What's that? Who wants to eat strangers' food anyway, right? You know, I, have to, I, had to, I had to bring a Bible. I had to go buy one or, or, or ask my mom where mine was as a kid. That homework? Are you kidding me? I'm just, listen, here's the deal. Quit making excuses. You need to grow. And, and God wants to move you further. I, I love in this story in Luke chapter five also that, that there was blessings when Peter was obedient to what Jesus said, but the, the blessing was so great. Peter had to call his buddies to come help him receive the blessing. Check this out. That's what groups are all about as well. Listen, we love the idea of you feeding yourself and you spending time with the Lord on a personal individual basis. But I want to tell you something as well. God sometimes uses others to help us mature spiritually. 
And we need other people, much like Peter needed other fishermen and other boats in Luke 5. Sometimes we need others to help us move towards spiritual maturity. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. How many of you by a round of applause can say, you know what, I've been in a group setting some, at some point in my life and, and there was a word of encouragement somebody shared or, or there was a different angle or a take on the Bible verse we were reading or somebody prayed over me and I'm telling you, it just propelled me towards spiritual growth and maturity. Is anybody, yeah, you know that. You, you know that you ought to feed yourself, but I'm telling you, there's something beautiful that happens. And in Luke 5, Peter could not have received all the blessings had it not been for other people present in his life that day. That's the beauty of groups and being involved with other people. So I'm just wondering today, what we know that not only Jesus wants us to grow, but Paul and Peter and Paul would write to a young Timothy about growing and moving forward. What is it that's keeping you from joining a group? Well, what, what's keeping you from, from placing yourself in an environment that's gonna propel you forward when it comes to spiritual maturity? Why do we stop pursuing the deeper things of God thinking that we have already attained it all? We put the brakes on spiritual growth, not God. His desire is for every one of you to mature in your faith. But you know what the reality is? Some of you are still on, you're drinking milk in the bottle. If I were to offer you a steak and lobster lunch today versus milk, what are you taking? Don't you say milk, you liar. You, you want the good stuff, the protein, right? I just offended all the dairy farmers of America. I, I love it too. But why do we stop our spiritual pursuit of God? Um, psychologists did a, did a, a study back in 2004 and, and, and it involved jam, jelly, jam and jelly. And, and they went to the supermarket and, 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 and they put 24 varieties of jam on display. And, and if customers would come by and sample, they would receive a dollar off coupon on the purchase. The next day, they, they whittled the 24 variety sampler down to just six varieties. And here's what they found. More people were attracted to more options but more people actually made purchases when there were less options. And what researchers have determined is this, less options are sometimes more better, more gooder, better. I'm telling y'all, I needed a move of God in school when I was growing up, amen? Don't look at me like I'm a moron. It's hard up here, folks, it's hot, I'm sweating. More is not always best. I wanna let you know something when it comes to group life this, this year at 1910 Church. We're not gonna offer you more, but we're gonna offer you something that's right. We're not offering you more options this year for groups. We're offering you the right one. It's called Rooted. And today when you made your way in, you probably noticed that one of our wood walls, like a chia pet, grew some grass on it. 
something happen amazingly this week. We, we, we have a study called Rooted that we're gonna launch out into. And that's not to say that we're not still gonna have radiant Bible studies. You saw it, Barbara McClung has written an incredible one on, on the feasts and festivals in, in, in scripture. And it's gonna be awesome for ladies. We're still gonna offer menu studies for for guys that just want to be with dudes. We're, we're still going to, the Hill offers every Wednesday night, not just great worship and teaching, but small groups. Horizon, if you're a college age, young professional, there is something called Horizon just for, co- listen, we're going to offer a few of those, but when it comes to other groups, we are limiting what we're offering this year at 1910 because we believe Rooted is the right one for every one of us. It gets all of us collectively on a same pathway, a journey and growing in our relationship with God. We learn basics, but we move from the milk and we begin to eat and look at the deeper things of God. It's an 11 week journey and experience that I promise you, our staff's already been through it. It is transformational. When you hear stories and testimonies, Yes, there is work that you will do during the week and then you'll come back to your group and there might be devil day. And I love a devil day, don't get me wrong. But I'm telling you, there's something special about being with one another. When we've opened our lives up to a move of God and we begin to bear witness and testimony and share story after story. It's called Rooted. Here's what I know about groups. I wanna end how I started. You need to grow. You need discipleship. And it's time for us at 1910 to go deeper. Will you develop that core by joining a group to grow in your faith? Would you stand up this morning with me as I pray us out? ministry team is going to come stand down front today and you need to know if you're new here at 1910 every week we end our service by having a group of people down here that 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 are prayer warriors and if you came into this room today with a hurt a struggle a difficulty pain um, that that that's just seems insurmountable i would encourage you today before you leave to to come meet one of our our teammates down front and let them pray over you and come alongside of you maybe you're here today and and you just want to give your life to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, life is better when you have Jesus in it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. Yeah. Maybe that's you today and you want to give your life to Jesus. I want to pray and dismiss us. And and I just want to encourage you to stop by the rooted table out here and ask one of my friends out there, hey, tell me a little bit more. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that that you desire for us to move forward in our relationship. You don't want us to stay the same. Lord, all of us in this room, we're always trying to grow and get better in so many other arenas of life. In business world, as an athlete, as a musician, we're always trying to become better. Lord, I just simply pray that today your spirit would get a hold of us and say, hey, listen, I wanna take you deeper in our relationship. And that comes through group studies through participating in these transformational environments in which the Spirit of God can move. So Father, do what only you can do now in Jesus' name, amen.